This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. On this episode, we take you to this year's Women in the Workplace event, sponsored by the Wall Street Journal. We'll hear from Cheryl Sandberg. We know that the answer to these challenges, no matter how hard it seems, and God, things seem pretty hard right now. They seem really hard on issues for women in our country. They seem really hard on issues for race. It's never the time to give up. That's the time where we fight harder. We give people the support they need. We give people the partnership they need. We give people not just the hope that it can get better, but our belief that it has to get better for our companies and for our economy. And we lean in together. Now, Veronica Dagger. Cheryl Sandberg, Facebook's chief operating officer and founder of LeanIn.org, revealed this year's Women in the Workplace survey, a closer look at more than 200 companies in the state of women in corporate America. At our special dinner in New York City, she spoke about how companies are trying to advance women in the workplace and what role men can play. A little later, we'll get insights from two of our journalists who covered the event. But first, Cheryl Sandberg. All right, I'm going to start with a quiz. How many people, you got to raise your hand, think it's okay if one in 10 subway stations run on time? Okay, that's no one. What would you think, and I know this would never happen, ever, if you got your Wall Street Journal delivered at home, for those of you who still get the hard copy, which I do, one in 10 days? You would never do that. Okay. What if one in 10 of you either enjoy or absolutely learn anything tonight? Who thinks that's all right? One person, because that's pretty good. (laughs) Most of these dinners are terrible, so one in 10, you know, not this one. Um, But when senior leaders, when one in 10 senior leaders is a woman, one in 10, 50% of men think that's good enough. And wait for it. 30% of women agree. And I think this is the problem. And I think what it is, is the tyranny of low expectations. This has been happening for so long, and it's on gender and it's on race, that we actually don't think more is achievable or expect it could happen. And so when we look and we see one in 10, we think that's pretty good. I remember in 2012 when women ran half, when, when women won 20% of the seats in the U.S. Senate, 20%. 50% of the population, 20% of the seats. And all the headlines screamed out, women take over the Senate, women take over the Senate. There's a line for the ladies' room. (laughs) And you're like, actually, 50% of the population with 20% of seats, that's not a takeover, it's a gap. And the reason we are here tonight is for those of us in this room and those of us who are doing this important work, one in 10 is not enough. We feel about where we are the same way we would feel about the Wall Street Journal subscription, the same way we would feel about spending an evening not enjoying ourselves or learning anything, the same way we would feel about one in 10 subway trains moving on time. This is the third year of our survey. This is the largest survey of its kind. We have now have 20, 222 companies participating with 12 million people. Uh, My team at Lean In, I'm so grateful to all of you guys, to Rachel and Megan and Ashley, and especially Ellen Konar and Mary Ann, who are our research team. I'm super grateful to McKinsey, to Dominique and Lorena, Irina, Alexis, Kelsey, and Rachel. We couldn't do this without you, and your dedication and the resources you put to this make this happen. 
And we're especially grateful to the Wall Street Journal because we get a whole section. <laughs> and to Jerry and Larry and Nikki, every year this is one of the most widely read reports. And the reason we want to partner with the journal is because you are, your readers are the audience we want to, want, to, want to reach. And it's because fixing this problem, fixing leadership for gender, fixing leadership for race, fixing leadership for women of color, we don't want it just to be the right thing to do, even though let's be clear, it is. This is a business and economic issue. If women participated in the labor force as the same rate as men, and by the way, if women got paid the same and had the same promotion opportunities, we just might get there, as well as men doing a whole bunch more at home, we would get there, that would be worth 5% growth to our GDP. Can you imagine what that does to our economy? And that's coming from the productivity of companies. So that means that this is an issue of productivity. As Dominique said, we see in this year's report we're still not making progress. And it's because of these blind spots. It's because we want to make progress or we think there's enough progress, which is the blind spot, but we just don't know how. And so with the companies who are participating in this survey, it's a lot of work and they're doing it so they get that snapshot. We're releasing the aggregate data here, but the companies that participate are monitoring their own progress. And we know that we can translate that commitment into what companies can actually do. So since Dominique shared the report, I'm gonna focus just a few minutes on what companies can do. Let's start with the basics, the basics. We can't tolerate Harvey Weinstein-like behavior. Sexual harassment. And it's not just about him. It's not just about the other men that do it. It's about all the people around them that know and don't do anything. So that's just like a basic. I think this should never happen. When it does happen and someone loses their job and is publicly embarrassed, I think that's great. Not because I want that to happen to anyone, but because I think the only deterrent for other people is to see that there are disastrous consequences. And there need to be those same consequences for the people that tolerate it around those people. And I think we are going to get there. So that's the basics. Should never happen. But what else can we do? Make a compelling case for diversity. So a lot of companies talk about diversity, but you have to make it real. You have to say, we want diversity, because it's good for our business and we think we're gonna build better products or make a be better services, and you need to tie it directly to business results. Acknowledge the unconscious bias, and what I've found over the last number of years is the only way to get people to do that is acknowledge my own. I have it too. We all have the biases against women in leadership, and that's because as human beings, we process very, very quickly. By the time a lion was running at me, and I would think, huh, fur, four legs, tail, I would be dead. So we take information, very little bits of information, and we react. And that is why, as human beings, we respond to people that fit our stereotypes. That's why we still call little girls bossy. Men, raise your hand if you were called bossy as a little girl, little boy. Raise your hand. As a man, were you called bossy on the playground? Women, raise your hand. 
That's why that happens, because we know that little boy behavior and grown women's behavior is not more assertive or aggressive than, than men at all. We have to accept that we all have this bias and really, really bring it to the forefront so we can manage around it and we can give people equal opportunity. Focus on your managers. It's not just senior management. What our report this year shows is that senior management is more committed or talks about being more committed. It's that manager level where more needs to happen. Resist a one-size-fits-all to diversity. This year's report, and I really want to commend the McKinsey and the Lean-In teams for doing this, focuses a lot on women of color. And the reason that matters is that there are all these biases against women and there are all these biases against race. And when you are a woman of color, you've got both. And it is showing up in the numbers. We know that if you hand out two resumes of men or women, identical resumes, one has a kind of a white sounding name, one is a black sounding name, that white sounding name is worth eight years of experience because you get 50% more callbacks. We see biases that are like this, although not as pronounced on women. We actually see the most bias on mothers. If you run that experiment and you put PTA president, that really hurts your chances of getting a job. So let's say you are a woman of color who's a mom. That's a lot of bias. And this year's report really takes a hard look at the issues that are, that are happening and the issues we need to fix. We have to make work works for parents, men and women. 21st century companies need 21st century commitments to their employees. And that doesn't just mean full-time employees. It means contractors. More and more people are in the contractor part-time workforce, and we need to take care of them because their work is important to the work we all do every day as well. No employee should have to choose between taking care of their family or themselves and being a good employee. And again, this is why we want to reach the Wall Street Journal readers. It's not a trade-off. One benefits the other. When we invest in our employees, they invest in us. They're more committed. We're more productive. We're more successful. And pretty soon, our companies are more successful. We've spent a lot of time at Lean In thinking about paid leave. I've spent a lot of time thinking about paid leave and how much we need real federal policy here. I also think there's a lot more companies can do. To take one example that's very close to my heart, my co-author of Option B, Adam Grant, is with, with us here tonight. He's on the board of Lean In. Bereavement leave. 60% of employees don't, only 60% of employees get any at all, and often it's three days, so for most people it's not paid. I'm really proud of what Facebook did here. We moved, we were at 10 days before I lost my husband, and then with that experience, we went to 20 days for immediate family, meaning spouses and children, or any kind of domestic partner, or any kind of child. It makes such a big difference, and I'm so excited that other companies are following and setting this example with us. Companies like IAC, Airbnb, SurveyMonkey, companies like Activision that were doing this long before, Two companies here tonight, MasterCard and Chegg, and this is big today, Bank of America with its 200,000 employees announced that bereavement leave policy. And I'm really excited by the steps these companies are taking and I encourage everyone here to think about these policies because if you wanna make work work for everyone, we have to make work work for parents and for children and for spouses 
and for people who need that extra support. We also know that peer support can be so important. When we launched Lean In now, four and a half years ago, we were hoping we'd have a 1,000 Lean In circles, small peer groups that meet once a month to help women and men, we take everyone, lean into their ambitions. We just hit 34,000 in 150 countries. And the women in the circles, some of them are in companies, some of them are in cities and local community groups and colleges, they are more ambitious, they are reaching for promotions, they are making a difference. And while progress is not happening fast enough, and that's what this report shows, I believe it is those women and the men who join the circles and support them that are gonna make a difference. We know that we need change. And we need change for really critical reasons. We know that one in 10 isn't enough but we know that the answer to these challenges, no matter how hard it seems, and God, things seem pretty hard right now. They seem really hard on issues for women in our country. They seem really hard on issues for race. They seem really hard if you look at the data in this report at the progress that we're not making yet. It's never the time to give up. That's the time where we fight harder. We give people the support they need. We give people the partnership they need. We give people not just the hope that it can get better, but our belief that it has to get better for our companies and for our economy. And we lean in together. Thank you all for leaning in with us tonight. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. For a new podcast experience, subscribe to the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. Joining us now to talk about Sheryl Sandberg's speech and the Women in the Workplace event is reporter Vanessa Furmans and Deputy Bureau Chief for Management and Careers at The Journal, John Simons. So, Vanessa, let's start with you. You wrote the lead piece for The Journal Report's Women in the Workplace issue. So, Cheryl mentioned in her speech, one in 10 senior leaders is a woman. 50% of men think that's good enough, but 30% of women agree with that. Did this surprise you? Yeah, I think this was one of the most startling stats to come out of this massive study that Lean In and McKinsey did, where they, they actually surveyed 70,000 employees across 222 companies in North America. And it just really, that particular statistic really kind of showed you, and she, she put it very well, she called this the tyranny of low expectations, that we've just become so used to seeing so few women in leadership positions that even when we see just a couple among a big group of men, we think, 
think, oh, okay, there are women here. That's enough. And women think it too, which that kind of blew me away. Right. And, and what she was saying was that at companies where it is just one in 10 senior leaders who are women, you will see that many men say, yes, 50%. We have plenty of women leaders here. And it's 33% women who agreed with them. So there is a difference, but 33% is still a lot of women still who agree with that. John, it's pretty well documented. It can be really difficult for women to advance in the workplace. It can be even more difficult for minority women. So tell us about some of the findings in that way. Basically, what is evident from the McKinsey Lean-In numbers and from separate studies that have been done over the years is that minority women face a, a kind of double bias. We know separately from many studies, minorities in the workplace face biases in terms of getting promotions and getting paid in an equitable way compared to others and also getting hired in many instances uh, compared to others. The situation for minority women is particularly a kind of grave one that Sheryl Sandberg raised in the speech. Well, across the board, first of all, how much interaction you have with senior leaders at your company often makes a big difference in your advancement at that company. And that's where you saw a particularly big difference for women of color. Across the board, women see have less interaction with senior leaders at companies than men. But when you looked at women of color and very specifically African-American women, it, w- it was black women actually who had the least interaction with senior leaders. So it really speaks to almost this invisibility factor, I think, for a lot of women of color. Companies say they want to promote them, and yet once they're in the workforce, they seem to seem to get lost. We have this problem that we want to fix, but we've got a perception issue because some people don't even see it. There's that visibility issue. So what are some of the things companies are doing to narrow this gap, and are they working? Well, one thing I think companies are doing is some are acknowledging that these inequities and these biases exist. Some are are putting executives and workers through unconscious bias training programs. Others are just actively addressing inequities in pay, investigating whether, whether women are paid at an equal amount to their male colleagues. Many companies are also sort of going to women and looking specifically to help them progress in their careers in a way that everybody should have uh, you know, those opportunities. Now, some people will listen to this and say, you know what, if we do this, we may be cheapening the talent pool or we may be lowering our standards. And this doesn't really make sense for the business for us. So what would you say to those people? Sheryl Sandberg wrote about this. Basically, at the end of the piece, she talks about how you know the country and companies and corporate America can not afford to ignore hidden talent, talent that's that's out there that's not being tapped. And that's really what, that's the, really the way to approach this problem. It's not a lowering of the bar. It's a casting a wider net and making sure that you find all of these hidden assets that are out there that are being overlooked. Yeah, that's actually the main reason why companies are seeking out diverse, they want to diversify their workforces even more because, I mean, there is, of course, the public image that comes along with that. But for a lot of companies, they are recognizing there's this business case for diversity. And there's this growing body of research that shows that companies that are more diverse have more women leaders at the top and on their boards and and all across the pipeline actually perform better financially than other companies. Where companies are lacking, though, is perhaps tying that to their actual numbers. I think when companies start quantifying, here's what we're doing, and here's what we're seeing, here are the results 
parts of it, I think you're going to see more buy-in into the case for gender diversity. Where do men fit in all this? How can they help women rise up? Well, I mean, men are a huge part (laughs) of the workforce. Specifically among managers, there are many more male managers than there are women. And we see that it's usually those middle managers, specifically middle male managers, because they make up so much of that cohort, that really have the most day-to-day influence on people's careers. They're the ones who are giving you the challenging opportunities, the challenging assignments. If they're great bosses, they're talking you up to other people. They're opening doors for you or they're closing doors for you. And so what what comes out of this study is finding ways to engage those managers and getting those managers to buy into the case for gender diversity and then having them take kind of micro approaches really to, to helping women along, helping others along that wouldn't normally get that help. A lot of corporate diversity people will say that the way not to alienate men in this process is to show them, A, the business case like Vanessa was saying, but also help them understand that a growing pie, this is not a, a sort of zero-sum game where some people win and others lose, that a rising tide sort of lifts all boats in the in the sense that as the company succeeds, there are greater opportunities for everyone. So, Vanessa, what would you say to listeners who read your story, heard Cheryl's speech, and are frustrated with the slow pace of change? If you're a woman, what do I do? I think it, it pays to be mindful of that. It, I mean, this applies both to men and women. But when you're aware of these things and you start looking at it differently, you start asking different questions. Um, one thing that really I, I thought that was interesting was about negotiations, negotiating for raises and promotions. And what the data actually show is that women ask even more often than men for raises and promotions, even though we see the promotion rate for women is lower. So it, it shows you that they're asking where you where you see the discrepancy is though often they're, you know, when it comes to a raise, for instance, they're not asking for a specific amount. And we see from the research that when you ask for a certain amount, you tend to get a higher number. So that's the context facing women when they're going in and seeking promotions. It helps to really to do your research, get the pay information that you need to make your case for a specific number. And John, after hearing Cheryl's speech, what advice would you give your daughter? The advice I would give my daughter is to always have a really good assessment of what your abilities are and really have the confidence to feel like, you know, you can take a sort of bigger bite or go for something that seems slightly out of reach because that's what a lot of women should be doing. And in some cases, they aren't as a result of maybe just assuming that people the company don't think you're ready for a certain opportunity or that you don't have the right connections within the organization to take a bigger step. Now, if you each had to get your crystal balls out and say a year from now, this is what we'll be talking about in regards to the women in the workplace issue, the dinner, this are some trends we may have he- heard about. What would you say? What's really interesting to me about this package and about the event that we had is that it took place at a time when there were these revolutions revelations about Harvey Weinstein and people are talking a lot about sexual harassment. And the way that it relates to this topic,
topic is that, you know, we were talking earlier about women who should be seeking mentorship from men and from other higher ups in their organizations. And I hope that what comes out of the Harvey Weinstein thing isn't a kind of retrenchment for men, men saying like, well, you know, I don't want to be accused of anything. So I'm not going to have dinner or coffee alone with a female colleague or someone who is my subordinate. That's kind of the wrong way to react to that because women do need mentorship to kind of help them through their careers. And so I hope that there isn't a, a sort of step back from men in power because they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be accused of, of harassment. Yeah. On that note, you know, I, I'd like to think that people read this coverage, see what comes out of these, the conference, think about things that just didn't occur to them before. And I do think that is a big one, the, the involvement of men. It, it seems like we're seeing a bit of a movement where it is about how do we get men more involved in, say, even like these women's groups at companies into these mentorship programs at companies and sponsoring women. And certainly people who were at the gathering the other night were talking about that. So I'm hopeful that there will be some some execution on that. I hope you both are right. (laughs) John, Vanessa, thank you so much for your sharing your smart insights with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been Secrets of Wealthy Women's special coverage of the third annual Wall Street Journal Women in the Workplace event held October 10th in New York City. On an upcoming episode, Wall Street legend Sally Krawcheck explains how the financial industry needs to change for women. Thanks for listening. I'm Veronica Dagger. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter. Use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.